Welcome to another episode of This Engineering Life, the undergraduate series. I'm Becky Simmons, an associate professor of the practice in mechanical engineering and material science at Duke University. I'm joined with Raina, Priya, Sydney, and Richard, all undergraduate engineering students also at Duke University. In this episode, we explore Duke summer opportunities from Duke Engage to Duke Deed. Find out what students are doing during the summer with programs sponsored by Duke. Thank you for joining us. This is Becky. I am here with the Associate Director of Duke Engage, Inga Peterson. And we have some questions about Duke Engage. We have had a lot of students that have participated, um, but maybe not everyone knows about the program. Just to start, can you tell us what is Duke Engage? Sure, I'd be happy to. And let me say thank you very much for your interest <laughs> in Duke Engage and for coming over here to talk with me. So Duke Engage is, I call it a mini Peace Corps for Duke students, but basically it's a community engagement program that runs for eight weeks in the summer. During that time, students are working in group programs that are established by faculty program directors to address issues of social change. And that can range from anything from education to mechanical engineering to healthcare. So that's basically what it is. That's great. And for our engineering students, which are the most popular programs? And when do you see most uh, Duke engineers engaging in Duke Engage? Yeah, I think I would say in terms of engineering programs, we're just kind of starting to build out more programs that are specifically working with faculty from Pratt. So we have a program in Uganda that started last summer that is run by Ann Satterbeck. We have a new program that David Shad is going to be running. They're building a bridge in Eswatini, which is a, is a little country in the realm of South Africa. And we also have Fred Boadu is running a program that is related more towards soil. I think he called himself a soil engineer. And what they're doing there is they are actually doing outreach and education for auto mechanics about how they're managing oil and where they're dumping oil and the health issues that are coming out of how they're treating the oil issues. All of our programs are open for engineering students. And we don't get a large number normally because we don't usually have programs that engineers look at and say this is specifically an engineering program. But we'd love to find more ways to partner with students to find sort of non-traditional engineering programs that would work for them. In terms of when engineers do the program, I think that's pretty similar to when other students do the program. So we get about half of our participants the end of sophomore year and a quarter after first year and a quarter after junior year. There's no preference given to any particular year. Some students like to do Duke Engage when they first get here so that it can inform other choices they're making in terms of classes and extracurricular activities while they're on campus. 
Some students would rather do it as a sort of capstone at the end of their experience so that they can better apply the knowledge they've gained in the classroom to the work that they're doing in the program. That's fantastic. And for students that are interested, go to the website. And as far as timelines, is there any advice that you would give for an interested student? Yes, actually, right now we are running info sessions. So definitely check out the website if you're interested. These info sessions give general information about Duke Engage. In the beginning of November, we'll be having program-specific information sessions that will be led by the program director. So I'd highly recommend that students check that out. We also have, of course, a listserv that students can sign up for. Our applications will open on November 8th. And applications will be due, I believe it's January 18th. What was the other part of your question? Just other advice. And the other thing, some of the students are, are, when they talk to me about it, they get a little nervous that will I be accepted? It probably changes year to year, but is there a general rule that 50% of students get accepted, 100%? Right. Well, so let me say first that we have 200 spots. Last year, we had about 400 students apply, and I would hope that students would not get too stressed thinking about whether or not they're going to get in. It completely depends on the program. It depends on the skills and education and experience that students bring to the table when they're applying. And that completely depends based on a particular student. So I try to ask students not to focus on that as much. In terms of being a good candidate for Duke Engage, I would recommend that students really check out the program profiles that, again, will go up on the web November 8th, and they detail the type of student the program director is looking for details, the community partners, the work that's being done, accommodations, food, those kinds of things will all be detailed in the profiles. I would ask that students really take a look at the themes of each program rather than locations. The themes, I think, are the most important piece of the work that's being done in a particular location. And they also reflect the kinds of students that a faculty member is looking for as well, right? If a student has experience teaching, um, they're applying to an engineering program, they may get in, but they're more likely to get into a program where they've got experience in education, to use a very basic example. Yeah, great. Okay, do you have a favorite story? And whether it's like a student came back and shared something fantastic or a student in the application process or just your general impressions. Sure. I actually have a story about the new program in Uganda that Professor Satterbeck ran. So I actually had to go visit that program this summer, which was its first summer. And we had some issues with the program that weren't related to the students. And I went to Uganda And it was just an amazing, amazing program. And the students were doing incredible work. They were basically designing equipment for neonatal units in Uganda. And just Friday during family weekend, I was giving a presentation 
And one of our ambassadors, our guides, was a student that was at this program in Uganda. And she was telling me that she's continuing her work. They were working with students from Uganda. They actually lived and worked with those students. And she was continuing working with the students who were on her team in Uganda. And then I just got an email yesterday from Professor Satterback that another student is also working with her team in Uganda, continuing to work. And that I just love because there are so many things that come out of these experiences that shape time when students are back on campus and even more into the future. I agree. And I think a lot of students, when they're thinking about summer, they're thinking about looking at it like, what do I need to do to prepare myself for my next job? Right. And sometimes there's a what technical skills, which any of these programs provide. But there's also all of those things like your community that you're building, these friendships, teamwork, the challenges that you'll meet in another country. I think it's fantastic. And from what the students have told me, there's great work, but there is quite a bit of fun, too. I've heard of weekend trips. Is this true, right? And even into some of the other communities and towns. So there's a balance, right, between work and fun? Absolutely. I mean, hopefully the work can also be fun. Yes, <laughs> But yes, there's definitely a balance. So we are looking for programs that focus on a traditional work week of about 40 hours. Outside of that, students are free to do basically, you know, anything that they would do here, whatever they want to do. We also do have program-specific enrichment and cultural activities that, depending on the program, the faculty member develops for students. So there are opportunities to enjoy whatever the community is about in terms of culture. I will say that our program directors tend to focus more on things like, let's say there's a wedding in Uganda or there's some kind of community event that's going on as an opportunity for for fun, as an opportunity for enrichment, rather than, okay, we're going to go see the Taj Mahal in India or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's more sort of community engaged activities that students participate in as well. And they all have a great time. (laughs) I I know they do. I hear the stories about how wonderful the time is. Okay. So last question, any final suggestions for our students around Duke Engage? Yeah, I, I would say in all seriousness, Duke Engage is an amazing program and we want it to be available to any student who's interested in having access to it. I think I would just caution that doesn't mean that all students will find Duke Engage to be the kind of program they would want to be involved in. So it is really a community engagement program in which students are living in situations where many times they don't have the comforts of home. Uh, They're working with vulnerable populations. So I just want students to kind of think about at what point they think they're ready to enjoy that kind of a challenge. So that would be my last bit of advice. And definitely come to see us. We're in the East Duke building on the second floor. We always want to be talking about Duke Engage with students. And again, we have info sessions coming up that are both general and program related as well. So, and thanks again. Thank you so much. That was awesome. So everyone think about Duke Engage.
Hello, my name is Richard, and this is actually the first time I am interviewing someone. But today we are with Kennedy. So, Kennedy, tell us a little bit about Deed and what that's about. Yeah, sure. So, Deeds, if you don't know, Deeds stands for Duke Engineers for International Development. And we're a student-run humanitarian organization here on campus filled with primarily engineers, both civil and mechanical. And what we do is we basically get together with different service organizations to work on engineering design projects um, throughout the school year. And then over the summer, we typically travel internationally and we implement them in low-income communities. Um, in terms of the projects that you guys do, t can you tell us a little bit more about that? So the past projects we did this summer were, the first one was in Hapo, Bolivia. Um, I believe we sent six of our students along with the University of Southern Indiana and they went and they built a 105 meter um, bridge across this huge gorge. The pictures are gorgeous. Definitely check out. I believe they're on our Instagram, Duke Deed and Duke Engineering's Instagram. And then Richard and I, we're co-PMs uh, for the West Virginia Build Project in Frankfurt, West Virginia. And so we took a couple of um, undergrads there for two weeks and we um, built this cute little bridge uh, for this uh, community with the Mennonite Disaster Service. Um, it was a great opportunity and really cool as freshmen, I think, for Richard and I to be able to work on that project together. So that was a whole lot of fun. And then this next summer, we're doing two projects for sure uh, in Uganda and Eswatini, both in the southern region of Africa. Um, I'm going to be one of the co-PMs for Uganda. And they're both actually, we just got approved for Duke Engage funding. So that's, that's super good. fun. Um, and then we're also working on implementing an India water project. That has not been confirmed yet. We have. Um, one of our sophomore undergrads working on that to get that approved with the government. And then maybe if we have enough interest, we might do West Virginia again. I think that I would do West Virginia again, but since I'm working on Uganda, I most likely can't. But hopefully we can do all four projects this year because that'd be a really great opportunity um, for all of our members. Yeah. Yeah, and for reference, um, this is a big jump from last year because we only had two. Now you guys are doing four, which is crazy. Um, and West Virginia was actually a cute little bridge, but it was still a mighty one. 20 tons, like 14 feet. Yeah, it was a vehicular bridge. And I believe the one in Bolivia was a, what is it, walking bridge? Oh, yeah, suspended cable bridge. Yes, right. suspended cable bridge. So what about the other two projects? What kind of um, buildings or contraptions will they be? Oh, yeah. So Eswatini is also going to be another suspended cable bridge. It's going to be the biggest one that the organization that we partner with, Engineers in Action, has ever done. It's going to be 120 meters. And then my project with Uganda is going to be the beginnings of a secondary school. So a couple years ago before COVID, we had actually been going consistently to Uganda for about a decade. And we've built all types of things over there from clinics to schools to bridges. Um, and so one of the things they did was a primary school, um, I think about about five, six years ago. So now we're going back and we're building a secondary school, um, hoping for the final design to be two stories, but we don't think we'll be able to do construction for two stories over the summer. So we'll probably just do one story this summer, slap a roof on it, and then next summer we'll come back and do the second story. That's amazing. And although she makes it sound like it's a little bitty project, it's actually um, an entire semester or year's worth of building and planning that goes behind it, right? So could you tell us a little bit more about that process? 
Oh gosh, yeah, that's quite the intensive process. I like to tell people to make sure you know what you're signing up for when you join, but it's a great opportunity for especially engineering undergrads to kind of get some real world experience. Um, we typically partner with other service organizations and that provide professional engineers for us to work with. And they help us guide, guide us through the design in addition with our amazing faculty advisor, Dr. Shad. Um, they kind of help us with the preliminary designs and getting it approved to make sure because of course while we are studying engineering we're not engineers so they don't completely trust us to build um, to create the designs by ourselves but we do have a lot of um, faculty that are very hands-on with us and professional engineers from those partner organizations so throughout the school year we basically just learn how to design and um, learn how to design <laughs> so it's a whole lot of fun um, in my opinion one of like like I said, the best things you can do um, as an engineering undergrad. And um, specifically, we're doing it in partner with what's Dr. Shad's civil design class. Um, if anybody wants to take that, CE 315. Um, I believe it's called Sustainability and Global Development. Um, and we're basically just taking what we learned in that class and apply it to DEED and what we're going to be designing for the projects this summer. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so in addition to this class, you're like, applying this knowledge to like an actual bridge or a design, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so how was that process like for, you know, West Virginia since you've worked on that? Well, we didn't have an exact class for that. We kind of just met bi-weekly to weekly to talk about our design. The organization, again, that we worked with, Engineers in Action, they had their kind of own design course that we were all able to go through and learn from, which was massively helpful in partner with their professional engineers that they provided. Um, they, yeah, so they kind of taught us on their online course how to do those things, and we all together, I think, learned. I think it's very tough Definitely. to teach yourself how to design a bridge or design any type of building at as an undergrad, but in collaboration with the team members, the different skill levels that we had, because we had all types of people on our team. We had freshmen, we had sophomores, we had a couple seniors, we had a grad student, like they were all really great. And we all just kind of helped each other. And again, in addition with our faculty advisor to understand um, how the design worked and so we could make our own. And then we just ended up going implementing it and it was a whole lot of fun. Yeah. And before we scare all the listeners out there, it is really fun. And the resources that we have are like tremendous. We have faculty advisors, we have upperclassmen, we have resources from um, professional engineers. These professional engineers then overview what we've designed and they already have a bridge plan in place. So, you know, there's nothing to worry about if you have no idea what you are doing going into this. Um, people will help you out. Yeah, and I think we were both pretty new to this and we successfully built a bridge. We had a car go over it and... Uh, nothing has happened yet so right. yeah i would say it was pretty impressive i was um a lot of people are pretty impressed that me and richard as a freshman were able to be co-pms yeah. for this project so if we can do it you guys can definitely do it no definitely. matter what year study you're <laughs> in <laughs> as long as you're committed working hard and learning um throughout the process this can be a wonderful opportunity and so much fun i can't believe how much fun i had definitely the highlight of my duke experience right now hopefully to get even higher ones but Definitely one of my favorite times. How are people like divvied up inside the teams? So typically we like to put our teams into, um, we have, we'll typically have like a design team, a construction team, a safety team, um, cultural relations and fundraising. Um, although typically if fundraisers might not travel or not, 
But um, those people are, to, are in charge of those sections of the um, travel team. And so we'll typically design or assign a manager for each of those teams and they'll have a little sub team below them. Obviously design will learn the technicalities of using AutoCAD or whatever um, program we decide to use for the design that year. And they'll really be the ones communicating directly with the professional engineers to, under, to make sure that they understand the design so they can kind of explain it to the rest of the team as well. Um, construction will work with the site coordinators and the construction um, manager on site to make sure that everything is running smoothly because we know that things can happen at any time. It can rain, equipment can be broken, shipments can be delayed. And so all those things are to be ma are managed by the construction manager to make sure that the build stays on time. Safety. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever built a, a huge suspended cable bridge over a 100 meter canyon, but I haven't. And it's pretty important for you guys to be safe while you're doing that. And so um, there are all types of harnesses and procedures. And especially if you're going to a different country with all these different diseases and sicknesses that our bodies aren't used to, that is what the safety manager is typically in charge of. Um, just kind of covering all those areas to make sure the team is as prepared as they can be if something were to happen. Um, hopefully not, but that is what they'll tip, they're typically in charge of. And then who else do we have? And then our cultural relations sections, they'll typically just learn about where we're going to be after the summer and how we can better connect with the community. Um, our Uganda project specifically is going to be a little bit more community-based than our past EIA projects, just because half of the team actually, well, only half the team will actually be engineers and the rest will typically be Trinity students uh, because they're going to be working in the clinics and in the school communities. So it's really important for our cultural relations section of the team um, to learn about and teach our other team members about where we're going to be and who we're going to be interacting with. And media, I think, is one of the more fun <laughs> or one of the most fun projects we had. We had a great media manager in Julia. Yeah. She did amazing making sure that um, we had great videos and photos. If you want any, just ask. We can definitely send them to you um, of our trip and how we were able to work with the family um, down in West Virginia. But media will typically take care of that um, just so we have that documentation of everything that we did on site. And so if anything happens, we do have that on hand. And yeah, that's typically how our teams are going to be set up. So yeah, there's um, a bunch of different projects all ranging in different team sizes, but we each have our different sections. And I think most importantly, it's really fun to just like get out there and immerse yourself in the culture. I think we, at least Kenny and I, weren't expecting like such a culture shock when we went to West Virginia, you know, compared to Uganda or Bolivia. Right. But it was still amazing. We got to learn a lot about um West Virginian culture and like just explore, go on hikes. So it's not just building their bridge. It's a lot of team bonding. And honestly, it was the best decision I ever made uh, yes. at Duke for the summer. Yeah. Uh, would you like to wrap this up with any highlights and or plugs for Deed? Of course. Yes. If you're interested in Deed at all, please reach out to me. My name is Kennedy Robinson. I'm sure you can find my email somewhere. Um, we do have an Instagram. It's Duke underscore Deed. And if you want to join the Slack, again, just reach out to me. My email is Kennedy.Robinson at Duke.edu. Um, yeah, please come reach out. <laughs> yeah, join Deed. Woo. Please. Thank you. Woo.
Hi everyone, it's Sydney and I'm here with my friend Kyla who will be talking to us today about the Huang Fellows. So thank you so much Kyla for joining us and if you want to introduce yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So my name is Kyla Hunter. I'm a senior and I study mechanical engineering. My main activities here on campus are being a research blogger for the Duke Research Blog, being a tour guide for the Pratt School of Engineering, and a lot of my interests are around energy and environmentalism. Perfect. Thanks, Kyla. So can you tell us a little bit about the Huang Fellows? Like, how would you describe the program? Yeah, so the Huang Fellows is a program under Duke's Initiative for Science and Society. So it's a program that you're selected into as a freshman if you've demonstrated a passion for using your interest in science or engineering for a larger goal, anything that has implications with politics or anything outside of strict science and engineering. And the main component would be an intensive research experience after your freshman year. Cool. That sounds great. How did you know that you wanted to apply to this program? Yeah, so I heard about it as a freshman, randomly found out about an information session around October, so pretty early into my experience here at Duke. And from what I learned at that information session, it sounded like it really aligned with my interests and values. Namely, as someone who's really passionate about environmentalism, and that's really what drew me into engineering in the first place, that sounds like an idea that really resonated with them as well. I think Duke engineers uh, specifically are a lot of times people who don't just study engineering for the sake of engineering, but because we have other goals and other problems in the world that we care about solving. And Huang Fellows really emphasizes understanding the way those things intersect. Oh, that sounds like a fantastic program. <laughs> Do you want to tell yeah. me what you did while you were a Yeah, fellow? it was a great experience. I was really excited to get selected as a freshman, meeting my other cohort. So it's usually 20 people, 20, uh, 19 other freshmen that you get to meet. My year, there were only five of us that were engineers. A lot of them are pre-med or other sciences. And I was the only girl that was an engineer, but I think they've been increasing in years since then, which has been really exciting for me to see personally. My year, unfortunately, was COVID, so a lot of my intensive summer experience was online, but I was placed in the Thermodynamics and Sustainable Energy Lab, which is Dr. Hotz's uh, lab, Dr. Nico Hotz, who's in the Department of Mechanical Engineering. And so I did some research into biofuels and biofuel production methods, but there was also just a great schedule of talks and sessions from other professors, some Duke professors, some other very notable alumni that spoke with us. And those kind of were the two main components, as well as just mentorship from the people that run the program, as well as getting to know your peers in your cohort. That sounds like a lot of amazing things yeah. um, involved in one summer program. If you had to say one like takeaway, what would you say was the biggest takeaway you had from this experience? I think one of my biggest takeaways was realizing that there are a lot of different ways to pursue my goals and any individual's goals. Some of the most notable talks we had were from speakers that talked about their career and the changes that their career has gone through and just really emphasized that a lot of times they're doing work that is either unrelated to what they thought they were doing or something not even related to what their major was in college. And I think as a freshman that had just switched majors and was still a little bit confused, knew the big picture problems that she wanted to solve, but wasn't sure exactly how to navigate to get there. That was something that was very reassuring. And hearing that from so many now very notable people was very reassuring. And also getting to watch all of my other peers navigate that process for themselves definitely brought me a lot of peace. 
Yeah, for sure. I can agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think as a senior now who actually switched to every single Pratt major for a semester, okay. <laughs> definitely tell like the freshmen now that it's okay to switch. And a lot of times like what you end up doing might not be related in the way you thought it was going to relate, but it's mm-hmm. still fun and cool nonetheless. So yeah, thanks, Kyla. I guess the last question is, do you have any pieces of advice that you would give to someone who's considering applying for the fellowship um, or who already got it? Oh, for sure. So one thing I do remember when I was applying is that you apply at the end of your freshman first semester, your freshman fall, and you do need letters of recommendation. So that can be a little bit intimidating because as a first year, you might not feel like you have that foundation of relationships with professors yet. So I'd say you know, not just for letters of recommendation, it's good advice in general, but don't be afraid as a freshman to try to pursue relationships with some of your professors. And you have to take the initiative, but the professors are very welcoming and love to have people that they can mentor. Yeah, for sure. We have lunch too. I feel yeah, like that was there's a a, way. Yeah, go to office yeah. hours, go mm-hmm. up to them after class. And it only takes, you know, a few interactions to really increase the the relationship that you have with them yeah absolutely well thank you so much kyla for sharing your um tips and tricks Mm -hmm. (laughs) and experience with the huang fellows we hope all of you who are considering applying to this program do so because it sounds like it was a great experience everyone so up next we have a student who actually participated in Duke Engage experience this past summer so Bashoy would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah hello my name is Bashoy Hanna I'm a senior biomedical engineering student. Perfect so where did you go this past summer and can you tell us a little bit about like what your project was? Yeah so I was in Uganda and it was like kind of a partnership with Harry University and Duke okay. and I just we're kind of working to like come up with low cost solutions to um, like healthcare problems in Uganda. So yeah, it was like an eight week long thing. It was like we worked in teams with like two students, two students, students to like come up with those problems and fix them, I guess. Awesome. Yeah. So was your project like successful? Like what was the outcome of it or? Um, yeah, so there was like four different projects that we all kind of worked on. Mm-hmm. The first like bit of the program was more like getting back into the, the design process like kind of going through the engineering design process and just remembering how that works mm-hmm. the next part was like going to different hospitals around uganda and like interviewing workers and like nurses and doctors um just like any problems that they kind of have and just also like taking note of anything that we see kind of coming up with like different problem statements and stuff like that and then we kind of like zoned in on one like each team or four teams and we came up with four different projects and so one of them was like designing like this new like emergency trolley to like store equipment better and get around the hospital better because they have a low number of them, low spot. And then another one was like creating like this IV fluid bag warmer because you want like IV to be warm when going through a patient and they don't have like a quick way to do that. Mm-hmm. And then another one was like a lower cost phototherapy machine for jaundice babies. And then the last one was like, I think it was like an incubator, like baby monitor. In Uganda, since there's so little resources and so many people, a lot of like they'll put like three or four babies in a single incubator, but only monitor one of them, oh. and they'll change like the settings based on that one baby. So when we worked on um, like finding a way to monitor all of them at the same time. And how uh, many students did you go with then? Uh, so there's eight Duke eight. students. Okay. Yeah. Wow. 
And you did all that in like an eight week period, you said? Yeah. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. It was a lot. Yeah, it sounds like it. But it sounds like it was definitely eventful. So I imagine like in Uganda, there's obviously going to be somewhat like of a language barrier, but what were other challenges, including that you dealt with? Yeah. So like for the most part, everyone knows English. Okay. Um, but I guess like it's a little bit harder for maybe them to understand us or us to understand them just because mm. different like, accents. Another barrier was more like when you went out shopping, like for buying resources, buying anything in general, like they try to like, they think you're richer. So like they try to take advantage mm-hmm. and you don't know how much things cost there. So you even have to like learn to bargain with them. And like, um, like it was kind of nice to have, like having the Ugandan students there with us for that because they obviously know what they're doing and right. how much things cost. So they didn't really have to get taken advantage of in that situation. But yeah, I don't know. I think, I think that was like, one of the bigger things for sure. Yeah. What was like the dynamic between you and the Uganda students? Were they like welcoming? Was it like difficult to bond oh, with them? No, they were super welcoming. I think that the first day I got there, over half of, I think five of us, their planes, the flights got delayed. So they didn't get there at the same time we did. Um, so it was just three of us and we got there like super late at night. And they were, like, welcoming us, but, like, we were also tired. Yeah, no, I'm sure. And then the next day, it was, like, a little bit awkward because, like, you didn't find out what to talk about and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But then after the rest of us came, you, none of us really knew each other, but, like, it felt like we did. I don't okay. know. It just, like, worked out. Yeah. And then we got super close to the and students, and we still, like, talk almost, like, at least once a week. So, oh, that's so nice. So, yeah, it's yeah. super, super cool. We made so many good friends. Awesome. What was your living situation like over there for those eight weeks? Yeah, so we lived on the university campus in, okay. like, this, like, big house called Edge House, and there was all 16 of us in there. So, like, there were, like, four or five different rooms, like, guys and girls on one, guys on one side of the house, girls on the other side, and I think I had, it was me and three other people, we had, like, two bunk beds. Oh, wow. Um, and the other room had, like, three, just, like, regular beds in the room, for the guys, at least. I don't really remember how the girls were set up, because they, there was more, a little, there was one more girl than a guy, and they were crammed, I think, in one room at first, there was, like, five or six of them, and oh my six gosh. Rooms, like, a different room, but okay. I was, I was low-key a little worried about, like, being in a, because, like, there's no space that's yours anymore, but, like, right. it was amazing, I didn't care, like, it was so much fun, I never, like, got, I don't know, it was just, it worked out. That's so, so awesome. Yeah. 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 So, how did you, like, find out about Duke Engage? I know, like, when I, I'm a junior, so, like, when I was coming to Duke, like, I was doing a ton of research, and that's definitely one of the programs that popped up, but, like, my freshman, and I believe my sophomore year, like they weren't having it because of COVID. Right. So how did that evolve for you? So yeah, I think coming into Duke, like, like when I was like applying, I remember seeing that, but I didn't really know what it was. Mm-hmm. And so this summer, I was like, I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing yet. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at Duke Engage, and I saw like Dr. Satterbat, and I was like, I, I know her. Like she's my Duke, like EGR one hundred and one professor. I've worked on. I've worked with her before. Like yeah. this sounds like a really cool experience. Let me just apply. Like I, I've been wanting to do this to do this since like freshman year. Like now I have something like this. So I was like, I have to. This is my last chance to do it. I can't do it if I would do it again. Right. And like when's the next summer we're really going to be gone? This. So I just applied for it and thank God I got it because that was amazing. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like it was a really awesome experience. Was it? How? What were your thoughts about seeing like the engineering process kind of like in real life, but in such like a drastically different it setting. Was so, uh, it was so different. Because, like, at Duke, you can get whatever you want. 
literally you just tell them what you need and it's there. Right, we have so there's many resources. No, yeah, yeah. Not limited by cost at all. There's no budget really. But there it's like the whole point is it is for it to be low cost so it's more affordable. And so there's like a pretty like strict budget. And then also like getting the resources. It's it's like like we have three D printers. You actually had a three D printer. That's about example. Oh really? Um, they had one. Yeah. Okay. It also wasn't really working right. when we got there, so we had to like tweak it and make it work. But um, like we have the tools, so like just like like basically like woodworking tools. Mm-hmm. Um, here we have like PCB printers, like to print out like a custom made PCB. But, like we don't, we didn't have that there. We had to go out to someone and like find some person who could do that for us, but then we have to pay them to do it, the resources and the labor. So there was just a lot more kind of like to factor into that. And one of the biggest things they emphasized for us was like, when we start here, we start with like lower fidelity things, they go up to like medium and higher, but like we don't have the resources to race there. So you have to do a lot more planning and know exactly what you want to do and then just basically build it if you can. So yeah, it was just like, there's definitely really big differences um, in yeah. engineering here and engineering there. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't even think about that. I feel like we have, especially like EGR 101 and things like that, we have so many yeah. resources and we waste so many resources because it's part of the learning process, part of the design process. But there, yeah, you can't afford to do that. Crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, Duke Engage sounds like an amazing program. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. I highly recommend to anyone who wants yeah. who's thinking about it. Definitely. Do you know, um, do you have advice like how to get involved with Duke Engage if you're um, wanting to do it? Yeah. So, I think they post their programs like in the fall they also have those sessions i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. which you can i'm sure you can find on their website just like learn more about the application process i think it's also good to reach out to the professor that's hosting it and get more details if you want also shows you're interested and then apply like it, I, I think you can apply to like one international one domestic or two domestic whichever you choose to do i recommend applying i would love I, everyone should definitely try to do it which is amazing Awesome. Like, you never know if we'll get the chance to do that again. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And hopefully we have more people applying for Duke Engage now. <laughs> so, yeah. This Engineering Life is brought to you and supported by the Pratt School of Engineering at Duke University. A special thanks to all of our interviewees for sharing their experiences. Our senior producers, Dr. Rebecca Simmons. Our editors are Priya Juarez, Rena Verbensky, and Richard Kim. Our theme music is from Silverman Sound, Audio Audics, and Kevin McLeod. Be sure to check back in two weeks when we'll be chatting with the amazing Jennifer Ganley. You can find this episode and more resources online at thisengineeringlife.com. I'm Priya. I'm Rena. I'm Richard. And I'm Sydney. And this has been This Engineering Life. See you again soon.